It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad. And center ice is Connor McDavid. He's got Darrell Walker, and he's got some room down the sidelines. McDavid to Everly dishes off. What time? To the 30, 20, 10, 5. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. The Edmonton Oilers are back home and hungry, getting ready to take on the Dallas Stars tomorrow night. The team feeling okay about their five-game road trip where they picked up five points, plus the Edmonton Eskimos hoping to grab playoff victory on Sunday as they take on the Hamilton Tiger Cats, the first playoff meeting between these two teams since they played in the 1986 Grey Cup, which was won convincingly by the underdog Hamilton Tiger Cats. We'll talk a little bit about that game later on tonight with former Tiger Cats kicker Paul Osbaldiston. Remember him? I don't know if you remember this Kellen, we'll have to, uh, I'll have to check into this before we get Paul on the show. Did I believe he once got injured in a celebration pile after winning a playoff game with a late game kick? That's the worst way to go out. Well, I don't, it didn't end his career. No, I meant like, <laughs> but, but it ended his chance at playing in that playoff. Uh, no, no, he. I think he came back and played. Oh, but, okay. but I'll, I'll have to ask him about it. I think I'll, I'll look up the. I'll look up the year and see if we can get that on there. Justin Sorensen from your Edmonton Eskimos checking in as well. Always happy to hear from you. The open line is seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. You can text six thirty six thirty. The email, if you still use it, is inside sports at six thirty ched dot com. You can get me on Twitter at. Reed Wilkins. All right, Oilers game tomorrow. The face-off against uh, the face-off show against the Dallas Stars will be at five thirty in the afternoon. The game will start at seven. All here on six thirty. Chet Eskimos Sunday morning nine thirty for the pregame show. Eleven o'clock kickoff as they invade Hamilton. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thanks a lot for tuning in. It's six oh eight. A lot to get to tonight. Bob Stoffer will join us in the next hour, and you'll also hear from Mark Letestu and Patrick Maroon, two Oilers forwards who are having uh, pretty good seasons, at least I think they are. But uh, I want to do something that is, is not directly related to activities on the ice, and uh, if you heard me talking about this with uh, with Jalen and Andrew before the 6 o'clock news, Peter Shirelli today named an ambassador for the uh, Edmonton Police Foundation. So he'll help represent the community in that. He's actually the first ambassador ever for the Edmonton Police Foundation. So he'll, uh, you know, kind of uh, represent the the EPF at some events and help bring his, his own perspective to it. And 
uh, of course, the Edmonton Police Foundation set up in, in June 2000. It's it's an independent, non-profit, charitable organization that helps support community policing and crime prevention and things like that. You, pr- you probably know about it. So this was announced today at Rogers Place, and I kind of thought to myself, well, what is, what, you know, I'm sure Shirley's going to get up there and say some nice words about about the police and, and all that kind of stuff that you would expect. But, I, you know, I wonder if he's really going to talk about anything substantial that might have a little bit of impact. Well, he gets up there and talks about the Boston Marathon bombings from April of of 2013. And he was out jogging along the Charles River in Boston, was was not in the marathon, but while the marathon was going on, and he hears a couple of loud bangs, and Shirelli thinks to himself, well, it's probably a large truck. He said he had his uh, earbuds in, and he kind of looks around expecting to see a, a vehicle, you know, backfiring or pulling away or whatever. And instead he sees across the Charles River and he sees a commotion going on and the smoke and the first responders already rushing to the scene and and it was the the Boston Marathon bombing and you know he talked today about sure of course he's always somebody who had a huge amount of respect for for the police but this sort of even gave him a deeper perspective into that yeah it was uh, I mean it's indelible in my mind um, it you know I can remember it like it was yesterday it was it wasn't too long ago and and it, not only the actual incident, but the, the, the trickle-down effect and, and the, the four days that followed, the, the lockdown. We had a game that was postponed. We were basically, you're almost under house arrest. And uh, and it was two towns over from our town where the, the last brother was, was caught in, in a bit of a showdown. So, um, you know, and, and then in all of this, you see the the efforts of the, uh, of the police and other first responders, but also the efforts of the community. And you recognize the strength of that connection, and uh, it really hit home. And when it wasn't hard to remember an anecdote, I talked about trying to remember an anecdote to kind of reinforce this relationship, and that one sprung immediately to mind. Well, I know some of the stuff that that we've talked about internally on on for fundraising and and where the monies would go to have have to do with things around that type of incident, the pre and post incident, and I think. If you can, it, uh, so that was really primarily what got me onto that anecdote. But I think just generally speaking, the the uh, you know the the, the 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 connection between community and, and police, which which we're all aware of, but we take for granted. And I think that was when I really stopped taking it for granted and uh, began to appreciate it. And you know, and I, even from that point on, I was not that I was unfriendly to police officers, but I took time to to, to to talk to them and to see what they were doing and how they were doing, and a whole new level of appreciation and respect. And of course, there's a lot of things that aren't as newsworthy as 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 that incident I talked about that 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 still underscore the importance of of the police and 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 how they connect and interact with the community and in crime and non-crime activities. So, Peter Shirelli, some of his thoughts today as he becomes an ambassador for the Edmonton Police Foundation, also announced today, this is pretty cool, the Oilers' home game on March 7th will be dedicated to the Edmonton Police Service, which will be 
celebrating its 125th year of existence in 2017. So the Oilers will have a special game dedicated to EPS. And and at some point during the 17-18 season, obviously details about this are going to come along later, the Oilers Entertainment Group was going to host a major fundraising gala in support of the Edmonton Police Foundation. So uh, good stuff there from Peter Shirelli getting involved in that. As I'm uh, sure you can appreciate, I couldn't help myself but slip a hockey question into Peter Shirelli media availability today and I just said hey Peter you guys are 9-4-1 and one. things are looking okay how come I, I just see a stability in our in each zone uh, for me it's mainly the defensive zone and how we break the puck out and I think we've bolstered our D I think you see really clean uh, play in the defensive end relatively speaking and I think the rest takes care of itself we got a certain level of skill we got I think we're faster and bigger um, and I just I see with a structure, a stable structure in place, we're in, in more games. We're able to come back in more games. So, to me, you know, we're we're only a, you know, we're not even a quarter of the way into the season. But uh, I liked what I've been seeing, and as as long as we can stay consistent and maintain that, I think I think we're going to continue to have success. All right. So Peter Shirelli encouraged as I'm. Uh Sure, a lot of you generally are, at least from those of you who, who interact with uh, with me and with uh, with Rob and I when we do the post-game show after Oilers games. I, I think there's a, a great deal to be encouraged about with the Edmonton Oilers. And, and I referenced yesterday, and I, I talked to a couple guys about it today. I'm going to get to those clips as we move along here in the first half hour of the show because I asked Patrick Maroon and Mark Letestu about... Um, you know, the, the satisfaction level from the road trip, if you can call it that, and, and about the immediate goals here and and just if this is a team that is better equipped to handle the ups and downs of the season. And over the last few years, obviously, there's been a lot of downs. I, I want to go back in time quickly here to, to, to set up what I talked to Maroon about. Does, does everybody remember this? I, I think you might because it turned into a pretty big talking point on this show back in March. We hung our heads and... Uh, we didn't. We just deflated. I thought we didn't play a good hockey game at all. Um, when they get a goal, you just see our bench deflate, and it's like here we go again. Well, I think we got to respond better to that. We got to play better hockey, and we got to hold each other accountable. You know, this is a hard league, but it can't be individual stuff. We got to play together as a team and as a group. That is Patrick Maroon back on March eighth after the Oilers lost three nothing to the San Jose Sharks. I'll ask him a similar question about handling tough circumstances when we get back. You're listening to Inside Sports on Oilers and Eskimos Radio, 630 Chad. Your home for breaking news and expert opinion. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. We'll face the injury-riddled and struggling Dallas Stars tomorrow night. Dallas in Calgary this evening. Face-off coming up at 7 o'clock. The Winnipeg Jets will visit the Arizona Coyotes. Action already on the ice. Boston taking it to Columbus. It is 4-1 for the Bruins about six minutes into the second period. The Canadians are up 2-0 on the Los Angeles Kings late in the first. The Penguins, a 2-1 edge on the Minnesota Wild. That one into the second period. Late in the first period, Tampa Bay up 2-0 on the New York Islanders. Stamkos has his eighth of the season. Anaheim, a 2-0 lead over Carolina halfway through the game. 
early on, St. Louis already ahead one nothing on the Nashville Predators. The game is barely six minutes old. Jaden Schwartz with his third of the season. The Red Wings up two zip on the Vancouver Canucks, who finally ended their long winless skid with a win over the Rangers the other night, but they're in trouble already today. And the Florida Panthers two, San Jose Sharks one. That one is after the first period. Jason Demers, who was briefly courted by the Edmonton Oilers during the free agency period, he has both goals for the Panthers, his first two of the season. Brent Burns has scored for the San Jose Sharks. Football tonight, Cleveland at Baltimore. They'll kick off full pretty soon. About five minutes away. Cleveland 0-9 on the season. Baltimore coming in at 4-4. Four and four. The Edmonton Oil Kings on home ice this evening. We're about uh, 40 minutes away from face-off at Rogers Place. They're taking on the Saskatoon Blades. That's your look at your scoreboard. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. My name is Reed Wilkins. It is Inside Sports on 630 Ched. Bob Stoffer coming up in the next half hour of the show. Before we went to break, I played that Patrick Maroon clip from last March, shortly after he became an Edmonton Oiler, and you could hear the... Uh, disdain in his voice with how the Oilers responded to giving up an early goal against the San Jose Sharks. He said, we hung our heads. We were too individual out there. I mean, yeah, it's a tough game, but we have to respond better. So I talked to Maroon today about that and also asked him a question about the team's satisfaction level coming home with five points from their five-game road trip. Coming on the road, we wanted to get something out of it, and uh, I think we kind of fell short in the Rangers and... uh, and Pittsburgh, but you know, it could have been like a really, really good trip to a great trip in Pittsburgh. But you know what? You, you got to be happy with it. I mean, we came in 500. Um, you know, we did some really good things. We competed with the top teams in the NHL. We were neck and neck with Pittsburgh that just won the Stanley Cup. So those are some good, good things to look forward to. But obviously, like Todd says, um, there's always areas to work on. There's always areas to get better and and make our team successful going down the road because those 3-1 leads, those 3-2 leads are going to be so crucial game 50, game 70 because you have to win those games. You can't let those games go. Uh, It's a learning curve. Uh, We know. We know what it takes now. You know, it's happened to us a couple times this year now, but we just got to learn from it, move forward, and and, uh, wait for the next game, and hopefully good things happen the next game. I don't know if you remember this, but last year after a game, you and I did an interview where you were disappointed about the team allowing an early goal, and they kind of went to sleep for about two periods before trying to put it together in the third. That doesn't seem to be happening this year. I mean, you guys were down 2 nothing against the Islanders, won the game. Detroit scored first, you won the game. Pittsburgh scored first, you guys got the next three goals. What, is there something different, and if so, what is it about a better response to maybe an early goal against or something bad happening in the game? Oh, I think guys don't get mad. They don't get frustrated on the bench. They, they know we have the guys in here that can go out there and score a goal. I mean, obviously there's going to be some nights you lose one nothing. You know, there's going to be some nights you lose 2-1, but, uh, and you had all the chances, but I think... With the guys here, we get scored on. We don't get we don't get defeated. Like they scored what seven seconds into the game in the Islanders game, and then they scored right after that. So the guys just start talking on the bench and being positive, and you know, communicating and and telling the other guys, hey, this is what we need to do to have success, to get opportunities, to get second, third opportunities. And when we start doing those things, good things start to happen and start to snowball in the right direction. So you know, that's a good sign. Well, that's a far cry from what Patrick Maroon said, uh, what would that be, about eight months ago? Back in March, back on March 8th. 
And it, it's interesting having uh, having done this job for for the last three seasons. Now into my fourth, doing the Oilers post game show. I mean, a lot of people would say, "Well, the Oilers got a losing culture. They need a culture change." And I kind of think, well, yeah, fair enough, obviously, but you don't just go in there and say, well, let's change the culture. I mean, there there are there are elements that make up uh, a culture change, and I think you hear that in Patrick Maroon's answer. They don't get frustrated on the bench. They don't get deflated. They know they have players that can go out there and score two or three goals. They keep talking. They keep communicating when bad things happen. They they know what they have to do. So I think a lot of things have gone into this year. You're hearing that they have uh, solid coaching and a plan from the coach. They have a more talented roster than they have in several seasons, in a long time, quite frankly. And I don't want to say that attitude is everything, because as I just referenced, you need the talent and the coaching. But Clearly, there's been a little bit of an attitude shift with this team, and I think it's from some of the players like Maroon that have come in who have said, okay, yeah, you know what? we got to play 82 games against the best hockey players in the world. Sometimes bad poop is going to happen. So we got two choices. Cry about it and go huddle in the corner or try to fight back. And we know that fighting back isn't always going to work. It's not always going to result in the two points, but we can stay in every game. And I just think it's it's been an interesting, and quite frankly, if they're able to keep going here, a, a speedy transformation. Now, a long overdue transformation, but a speedy transformation, because don't forget, even though there were some bright spots on this team last year, they still finished second last in the entire National Hockey League. Mark Letestu will weigh in on this as well. We'll also be joined by Oilers Now host Bob Stoffer in the next half hour of the show. If you want to chime in, 780-496-0063 is the phone number. You can also text 630-630. Another note today, uh, tough tough news for an Edmonton kid. Tyler Ennis from the Buffalo Sabres had groin surgery today. He's expected to miss several weeks. Matt Hendricks, by the way, skated today briefly for the Edmonton Oilers. Took part in practice with the regular group, but he didn't stay out there the whole time. But uh, he is the closest of the injured Oilers to coming back. Coming up to the 6.30 news. Inside Sports on 6.30, Chet. Talk to you on the other side. Oscar Clefbaum from your Edmonton Oilers and you're listening to the Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Shad. Baltimore underway. No score early. Rookie Cody Kessler playing quarterback for the Cleveland Browns. Now 5-1 Boston leading Columbus, by the way. Still in the second period in Boston. We'll bring you a full scoreboard later on this half hour. Thanks a lot for tuning in. My name is Reed Wilkins. It's Inside Sports on 630. Ched, we're going to get to Mark Letestu here in a couple minutes. Bob Stoffer coming up. I want to get, read a couple texts, though. You can text 630-630. Kyle says, uh, what do you think the chances of Dallas using Toronto Maple Leafs tactics for shutting down McDavid. Well, I, I think every team's going to try to shut down McDavid. Clearly, there was a little more uh, physicality and gamesmanship from from Kadri in that game than we've seen other teams successfully try to pull off. I mean, other teams have tried to do it to varying degrees. Um, 
I, I mean, a couple things. I think first of all, there 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 was probably well, there was one play in 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 particular where Kadri tossed down McDavid after the whistle that that could have been a penalty, right? In that in that Toronto game, it wasn't called. That would have changed the tone of the game uh, if the Oilers had been able to get the lead in that game they never had the lead against Toronto that would have changed the tone because then Toronto's trying to tie then Toronto's trying to tie the score as opposed to maybe focus on what they're doing to McDavid a little more I mean look the the guy the young man is is going to face abuse and he's going to get picked on for lack of a better term and the Oilers do have a tougher team they do have a bigger team than they've had in in a long time I like to talk about push first as opposed to push back. Go, like, go out there, hey, in real life, don't be a bully, kids. But playing sports, yeah, you can go out there and be the bully. Be the physical team first. Be the more assertive team. Be the aggressive team. Put the other team on its heels as opposed to feeling like you're on your heels until you do something about it. Um, now, I know in that game people say, well, why didn't Lucic do something? Why didn't whoever, whoever do something? Fair enough, but I mean, Rob Brown has said when we talk after games that stars are always going to be targeted, and it never fully goes away, and and you can't go out and fight or take a cheap penalty or a suspension every every time your your star gets knocked around. And I I think you kind of have to measure the situation. You have to measure the severity of the offense against McDavid, I mean, if he take if he takes a clean body check, if he takes a little slash while he's going down on the ice, y- you can't just immediately go out there and okay, I'm going to kill the other guy because he did something. But having said that, fair enough. The Oilers didn't do enough in that Toronto game to assert themselves physically. Brian says, "Hey Reed, how much do you think the trading away of Hall and Yakupov plays into the Oilers' new attitude? Not considering the return Edmonton got for Hall, just trading those two off." Yeah, Brian, that that that's a good question, and it's it's an interesting debate because the I mean teams change all the time, and it's not like we can sit there and say, "Well, those two, specifically because of those two guys." The Oilers are doing better. I mean, there are other guys from last year's team that aren't that aren't on the team. It's not as if you can say, well, they have X number of points without those guys, and they would have had X number with them. It's hard to measure that way. Uh, I, I mean, just as someone who talks about the team a lot, I, I just don't think it's it's cool to kind of take shots at ex Oilers who are now on other teams. You know, in in general. Um, so I can't I can't sit here and say yeah well they got rid of those two guys and that just fixed everything because clear, clearly it's not that simple. I mean Yakupov didn't want to be here, uh, and then the the organization didn't want Yakupov here. I'm sure. Well, I'm, I'm positive all the all his teammates were aware of that. So Yakupov was probably a little bit of a distraction at times, and and maybe just having him gone helps the attitude a little bit just knowing that there's this guy there who's unhappy and kind of is a scapegoat for some fans and all that kind of stuff uh with hall i know uh, sometimes i was just like my god i should have gone to university and studied body language for eight years and got a phd before doing the show because there was so much oh look at hall's body language look at this look at this i mean look hall was an expressive player both good and bad there is no doubt that being on a bad team for six years wore him down. So is it 
is it is it that we have to get it, it, so is is did it Hall have to be traded because his attitude was bad, or was it just time for a fresh start? And was it just time to remove a guy who'd been part of a bad situation for a long time? Because I don't think I don't think he can sit there and say, well, if Taylor Hall were just happier, they would have been in the playoffs for all six years he was on the team. I mean, it's not that simple. Uh, they got a player in Adam Larson who's clearly contributing to the defense core, who's who's clearly better than the defense they had. And let's face it, guys, Taylor. The, the, first of all, I'll open this by saying Taylor Hall, uh, or the, or the Oilers' current defense core, is not an all-star defense core. It's it's a defense by committee. They've been playing well. They're not a superstar defense core, but they've been doing their job. But even having said that, Taylor Hall never played on an Oilers team with a defense core as good as this one, right? He played on some, on some pretty awful teams. So, look, do you, do you, I, I don't think it's a simple saying, well, you removed uh, Hall from the equation and that boosted the whole attitude of the team. I think they brought in experienced players. Uh, I think they brought in some guys with steady attitudes, and they brought in guys who haven't been part of a of a bad situation for for a long time. Look, could have could have Hall could have. I mean, I mean, what like here? Here's the thing with Hall, right? And Rob Brown put this great after one game last year. Somebody was complaining about Hall. He slumped his shoulders after he missed a shot. And Rob Brown said, "Okay, fair enough. We get complaints about that. We also get complaints from people who say that Justin Schultz is on the ice for a goal against, and he looks like he doesn't care. Why doesn't he slam his stick over the net? So when you're losing, you, here's the here's the obvious statement of the night: When you're losing, you can't win, right? But when you're losing, everything looks wrong, and the attitude of your star players is going to be questioned because they're the guy driving the bus. But I don't think it's as simple as saying, well, they got Hall out of there, so now.'" They're better. I think they're. I think they're better for some more significant and and meaningful reasons. Okay, uh, I got some text to six thirty six thirty that I will catch up on as well. But I want to get to Oilers center Mark Letestu. A couple shorthanded goals this season. I asked him if the uh, team is satisfied coming home with five points off the road trip. You know, I think there's certain things we're, we're satisfied in our game about uh, things that we've seen uh, in the games. Our power play was particularly good. Our penalty kill was good. Uh, there's aspects of our game that we're feeling pretty positive about. To come away with five points is, is okay, uh, but this is a group in here, I think, that's taken a step uh, mentality-wise. And, I, you know, to a man in here, I think we believe we could have won all five games and we're in a position to uh, at least, you know, take some of those games in overtime. So that part's disappointing. Uh, but, again, I think we built. I don't think we took away from, from what we've been uh, working towards here. I think it was a building trip, uh, some more growth, some more learning experiences, and... Uh, I think it's going to turn into some more points and maybe some lockdown third periods later on the season. Where do you think that mentality is coming from that, like you said, not thinking that you could have won all five as opposed to thinking, okay, you know, five points is fine? Yeah, I think it's easy to, to point to, you know, maybe some of the new blood that's been in here, uh, you know, but I think it started last year. Uh, it started with uh, some of the things Todd brought in, some of the things Peter brought in, some of the values uh, you know some of the things they thought were important and started to kind of go through the team uh not you know it's not rare i think for for teams to take a little bit of time to to get it uh you know to have one year and turn around uh, now we've had a year on it uh, we're starting to see some of the fruition of the system the belief system coach talks about uh you know i think it's just continued on this year and we've had some reinforcement with some of the guys we brought in 
I mean, sometimes we in the media and the fans look at schedules and say, okay, you guys were back-to-back on the weekend. Now you're playing Dallas, and they're in the second half of back-to-back, and sometimes teams don't do well back, first game back after a road trip. Is that, is that just noise, though, once a team gets focused? Is it is it more just like, okay, yeah, we know we have a game. We shouldn't have to worry about what happened before or after? Uh, sometimes it's noise. I, I think most guys in this league are very well conditioned and can handle two games back-to-back. Uh, but I do think that, you know, maybe the mental grind of a road trip or, or a back-to-back can be tough. Uh, you know, but I think that's also on the room in here, uh, on the team. Uh, we know what it's like to come off a of back-to-back playing two tough games. Second night's always harder, uh, but it, it's kind of dictated by that team. If we come out and give Dallas an easy night and let them skate around and, you know, play the way they want to play, uh, the back-to-back's not going to, you know, really affect them. But if we force them into that hard game, uh, you know, one of those games along the wall, uh, make them work for you know all 200 feet. Uh, the back-to-back, the mentality of it can start to creep in and hopefully get a team to quit. So uh, that, that's our mentality: is to come out strong, have a good start, and hopefully uh, you know get that doubt in their mind. All right, so that is Mark Letestu, and I, I liked what he said there about the good start. And he, and he basically, I mean, to use the old phrase, he basically said we got to set the tone, and it's and it's another way of saying what I said: push first. I mean, the good teams don't wait to play themselves into the game. Like, oh, okay, yeah, first uh, five minutes. Oh, well, we're down one nothing. Well, we got time, whatever. I mean, and that's what I want to see the Oilers tomorrow. It, it is a game where they should be able to assert themselves. And, and look, I, I'm going to tell you how I feel because I said on the road trip, yeah, you know, going up against the Pittsburgh Penguins, even though the Oilers ha- have a good record, the Penguins should have been favored. Going up against the New York Rangers, the New York Rangers should have been favored. The Oilers came close. They didn't win. Tomorrow night, the Oilers should flat out be favored against the Dallas Stars. They should flat out be favored. Now, if you have an advantage, you better take advantage. They have the advantage of the Stars being beat up and of playing on the back-to-back, which I asked Mark about. You can't lean too heavily on that, but it it does play a factor. So get out there, push first. Don't worry about what the Dallas Stars are going to do to Connor McDavid. Go out and do it to them, whether it's their star player or their sixth defenseman. Be a pain in the butt. Hit them. Get in their face. Force them to pass the puck before they want to. So that's what I'm really looking at for the Oilers tomorrow because it is a game they should win. I think they know the situation Dallas is in. So are they going to go out there and say, okay, yeah, well, we should be able to win, so let's just do enough to win? Or are they going to go out there and say, let's push this team right out of the game, right from the opening puck drop? We're going to constantly evaluate what the Oilers are doing, and we're going to talk about the tests ahead. Well, to me, that's that's the first question on the test. How, how do you do? You, do you establish your strengths right off the get-go, or do you wait until there's no other choice? I'll get to some text here to six thirty six thirty. Got some comments on uh, on Connor McDavid being being pushed around and how that should be handled. The text line is 630-630. The phone number is 780-496-0063. And uh, we'll push Bob back till after the 7 o'clock news. We'll bring in Stoffer after 7. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader. 630 Chad. Just a bit of breaking news here. Uh, just seeing several uh, tweets. I just clicked on the uh, Rolling Stone website. Uh, Leonard Cohen has passed away at the age of 82. Sony Music Canada confirming the death on Cohen's Facebook page. 
Uh, more on that on our newscast throughout the evening here on 6.30 Chet. Thanks a lot for tuning in. It's Inside Sports on 6.30 Chet. It is 6.51. My name is Reed Wilkins. You can always text 6.30, 6.30. I have uh, several texts I want to catch up on here. Some good comments coming in. If you want to use the good old-fashioned telephone, it's 780-496-0063. Quickly, though, I want to buzz through the scoreboard. Ten games in the NHL. Detroit up 2-0 on Vancouver halfway through the second period. Also in the second frame, the Habs lead the Kings to zip. After two, the Wild and the Penguins are tied 2-2. The Bruins continue to take it to the Blue Jackets. They're up 5-1 after 40 minutes. Early in the second period, Lightning a 3-0 edge on the New York Islanders. Sharks and Panthers are 2-2 halfway through the game. After the first period, St. Louis won, Nashville nothing. After two periods, the Anaheim Ducks leading the Hurricanes 3-1. Stars and Flames later on, along with the Jets and the Coyotes. Both those games start in about 15 minutes. Four minutes left in the first quarter in third Thursday night football, no score between winless Cleveland and the Baltimore Ravens. The Oil Kings face off at the top of the clock. All right. Oh, playing Saskatoon at Rogers Place. Of course, we'll update that once it gets going. Text to 630-630. Matt from Colt Lake says, uh, hey, McDavid needs to give a little slashback or a little pushback when a guy is hard on him. If he gives it back, players will be less likely to manhandle him if they know something is coming back. Well, fair enough. And I mean, the, uh, part of it, maybe maybe a lot of it, is, is on the player himself, right? I mean, it, it, we, we can sit here and say, why didn't Lucic do this? Why didn't Darnell Nurse do this? Why didn't Zach Cassian do this? And, and fair enough. I mean, a lot of stuff happens on the ice that your line mate or your teammate might not even be aware of. Right, if if Milan Lucic is tied up with a guy and and McDavid takes a little cheap, you know, a little cheap shot from somebody behind the play, you can't just turn around and be like, "Well, why weren't you watching Milan?" You know, or or, or Milan's going to get you. I mean, fair point. Sometimes you got to do something yourself. Oz says McDavid is a big boy. He responds by lighting up the opposition. He won't grow if someone jumps on a player who picks on him every time. Crosby faces abuse almost nightly. He turned out fine, and two cups later. That is a text from Oz. Well, I mean, and, and that's the thing. I mean, I, 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 I think sometimes we live in this, or we want to live in this ideal world where, where star players are never touched. And I, and I know, I mean, I, I interviewed Tim Hunter about... What guys would do, and Kelly Rudy told the story about Marty McSorley when he played for the Kings and someone was pushing Gretzky around, going by the Flames bench and saying, look, if this keeps up, I'm going to kill Doug Gilmore. I mean, it's great those things happen, but I think it also kind of resets every game, right? I think every game players are going to see what they can get away with and try to do little things to get players of all calibers off their game, but especially the stars. So... Do, do, do the Oilers should have they done more in the Toronto game? Fair enough, but but they also have the Oilers have played games this season where they have been the more aggressive team. I mean, the St. Louis game is a perfect example. They boxed out the St. Louis Blues. They kind of did to the Blues what the Blues have done to the Oilers for several years. So hey, maybe McDavid would have been pushed around in that game, but the Oilers were able to be the team that set the tone, right? So. But but you know good comments there that to some extent McDavid is going to have to sometimes maybe get a little cheap himself and, and a good point too by Oz 
the best revenge is going out and scoring a goal. I think sometimes we underestimate goals in hockey. <laughs> we like the grit and we like the hitting and we we like the uh, the manliness and all that kind of stuff. Sometimes it's just good to go and score a goal, isn't it? Daryl says, uh, great topic in regards to how the league will continue to cover McDavid. I agree 100% on your reading the situation from game to game, but despite that, they need to send a message to the guys who are going to get into McDavid's face, and that did not happen in the Toronto's game. That is from Daryl. Oh, this is a nice text. Hi, Reed. What time will you have Jason Lundmark on? I want to listen. Jason Lundmark will be on the show between 8 and 8.30 tonight. We're going to do a little segment on senior hockey. Jason Lundmark playing for the Stony Plain Eagles. You know I love the uh, the senior hockey. The team's going after the Allen Cup. We'll feature a few guys from the Chinook League throughout the hockey season here on Inside Sports. But, yeah, Jason Lundmark will be on at 8.05. All right, here's Sue's coming up. Bob Stoffer. Justin Sorensen from your Edmonton Eskimos. Paul Osbaldiston played for the Hamilton Tiger Cats the last time the Tabbies and the Eskies played in a playoff game. It was the 1986 Grey Cup, and Osbaldiston was one of the stars in that game. Inside Sports on 630 Chet. Thanks for tuning in. We're back after the news. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.